0: I make a quality product and I know that I do because I've been working on it, and refining it over the years. But what keeps people coming back to me is that they know exactly what to expect from me. Like there's no surprises, there's no shocks, there's no what the heck is she doing? Like they know exactly what to expect from me.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers, and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Emily Reagan. I've been freelancing in the online space for over a decade, and I help my friends get started with their own digital service business so they can enjoy the flexibility and the freedom of working from home or wherever. Maybe it's an RV. Maybe it's a VRBO in some cool country. But either way, I know you don't want to be stuck in the nine to five. You want a job where you can be self-employed, calling the shots And making pretty good money because nobody wants to go work for a call center or do those surveys, right? We're kind of over that. Been there, done that for extra cash. All right. This is a legit business. We're talking about this world of providing digital services for online business owners. I've been working with my lawyer recently, and she had asked me to really map out who our ideal clients are. Like, who am I training my unicorn VAs to be able to work for? And this is a tough one, because technically we can work for anyone. We could work for a brick and mortar. We could work for a doctor. We could work for uh, a large company. Um, There's so many options here, but really it boils down to being able to help people selling online. I think that's the key here. And that can be in the form of a course, a membership. It could be uh, coaching programs and services online, or it could also be this unique area of the handmakers who have e-commerce products to sell. So the things we're doing behind the scenes, whether we're more project management, whether we're helping with social media or email marketing or website updates, all of these digital marketing tasks help the seller sell their goods, build their audience And the fun part is fun. It's a fun industry. It's a creative industry. There's always pretty pictures. There's always good video. Now I have to tell you, sometimes we struggle with those handmakers to put themselves in front of the camera. And we're going to dive deep into this with our episode today because I have brought a handmaker, Lucy Kelly here. She's a vintage costume jewelry artist. She has a fascinating background and a fun story about how she got started being a maker. And the cool thing is now she has a course that teaches other handmade sellers how to market online. And she does have a marketing background and she has sold a half a million dollars in jewelry sales. So she knows a thing. You're going to get a lot of insight in this episode about working with makers and how you can step up as a VA. It's so good. I actually really love when I have these episodes talking to the business owners and what they need. If you recall, I had Christy Chin on her episode just last month. She has a membership site. And so I had just mentioned that like a lot of business owners are trying to sell their, their talent and their services in the form of a reoccurring membership. And so go check out episode 69 with Christy Chin. She'll shed some light on that. Over in the Facebook group, we've also talked to Tamara Bennett, who is a creative. You could go watch that. I'll go ahead and link to that. That's not an upcoming episode just yet, but it also gives you just good insight about working with these business owners. Let's dive into the interview so you can learn more about working with e commerce sellers and makers. Hi everyone. We are live today with my friend Lucy Kelly. Say hello. Hi. I am so excited to have you on the show. A, we are buds over in Momentum. Lucy is an entrepreneur, but she comes from the DIY world. She is a jewelry designer and she's a maker. And I really love that because I started off working with a lot of furniture painters and designers and DIYers. So I love to... Help business owners like you make money online with your talent, and you'd like to do the same thing. And you have since like grown a whole business plus the coaching business. So I would love yeah. you to tell everybody about how you started. Uh, paint us a picture of what your business is like. Where do you live? Like all the good stuff.
0: Okay. Well, I got a lot. So thank you so much for having me, Emily. I really appreciate it. Uh, so so I, I started out before this telling Emily, I was going to get myself a nice clean background, but anybody here who's a maker or knows makers knows that like, this is the real deal here. So I feel like I'm coming to you live and I'm coming to you real. Uh, so like Emily said, my name is Lucy Kelly. I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have had my jewelry business, Val since 2010. And in 2019, I launched a course teaching handmade sellers how to bring their offline businesses online. So a little bit about me, uh, my background story. I kind of took a long winding road to get to where I am today. <laughs> uh, oh. It started out with I actually have my undergraduate degree in marketing from in two thousand and two, and I graduated and thought that I was going to be doing awesome. Late 90s marketing stuff, but as anybody who is about my age knows, that didn't happen (laughs) at that time. All of the big marketing jobs, all of that stuff really kind of came to a halt, all the marketing budgets stopped. So I graduated and I started selling copiers, which is about as close to selling your soul as you can get. Sucked as much as it sounds like it sucked. I made a lot of money and I hated it. Uh, So then I moved on to (laughs) selling um, commercial insurance. I was a commercial insurance underwriter. And that also, it was okay. Actually, I really like the company that I work for, but I was constantly having this, I'm not helping anybody. I'm not doing anything for anybody. So it was in 2004, I went back to grad school and got my master's degree in speech and language pathology. So I now specialize in early childhood language development. That is my area of expertise. And I've been doing that since uh, 2007. And then in like the summer of 2010, I was looking for something to do to keep my hands busy while my boyfriend traveled, um, my boyfriend at the time. And uh thought, well, I'll take some classes. I'll learn how to make jewelry. I'll learn how to knit. I'll learn how to sew, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was all but asked to leave the sewing class because I'm terrible at sewing. <laughs> like I'm not a sewist. The knitting takes too long. Like, you know, shout out to you knitters I don't know how you do it crocheters because like it is hard to get paid for your work <laughs> it takes a long time but the jewelry making stuck it just kind of came naturally to me like I, I it was easy to do it was like the color combinations I like the different textures and feels and like at the end of making something you had like a thing right there to make so, I love that so that worked for me. yeah it was it's a um real like you get a result right away which is what we all like right so that was in 2010 and in 2010 in Pittsburgh the art and handmade scene was very big where it has it's remained very big. So it has helped being in a city and a place that really supports the arts and really supports makers and there were a lot of market opportunities for me meaning I could go to shows and we had great indie markets and craft fairs and things like that we had the Free Rivers Arts Festival and all kinds of really cool stuff. So I started doing shows. My first show my first show was a little indie market that was on the South side here of Pittsburgh. I had no idea what I was doing. I took my little necklace, in, <laughs> like set them out on the table and I made 160 bucks and it was like in five hours. And I was like, Holy crap. Like I just made 160 bucks selling stuff that my <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, this is it. This, I could do this. And then I was like, wow, like that's, that's really cool. And looked around to see what else I could do with this because again I was I'm a speech therapist. I was working in an elementary school at that time. So I didn't have tons of time to be you know, just making jewelry all day because I had to do grown-up shit. <laughs> pay bills, pay for yeah. school and all that stuff. So uh, I found Etsy. And Etsy was still fairly new at that point. They started in 2005. So in 2010 they were still fairly new, but Kind of up and coming. People were getting on there and people were, it was starting to be, it was like the indie craft market of the online world. <laughs> Very different than it is today, but it was this place where you could go and buy and sell really cool handmade stuff. So I got my Etsy shop up and running and that's how I got started online. Then just kind of grew from there. I fell into the niche of creating with upcycled vintage costume jewelry, got featured in a few big publications, made my way into some bigger shows and kind of found my niche, which is the key because anybody here who's listening or who knows anything like when you make jewelry is such a saturated market, it can be hard to get into shows. It can be hard to get found. It can be hard to get, you know, you get caught up in the noise, but um, as with anything like finding that niche, finding that specialty had really worked for me and that's what I came to be known for. And that is what I developed. And now 10 years and little over half a million dollars in sales later of like my own stuff that I made with my hands. Here I am. <laughs> so that's that's the short version of a long story. <laughs> you teach yourself how to do this For the basics of jewelry making, I took a class at a local craft store to learn oh. how to use the tools because again, I mean YouTube was around in 2010, but people didn't really do that. Um, there weren't a whole lot of like tutorials or anything like that. So you still like went and took actual classes. If it was today, I just go on YouTube and figure out how to use it. But yeah, I took a little class and started playing around (laughs) and you know, once I figured out how to use the tools, the rest of it is trial and error. I don't do silversmithing or anything like that or any kind of like furious jewelry making like that. I work with costume jewelry. So the process is a little bit different.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that was. you didn't find the costume jewelry. Do you go hunting for that? Is that part of it? I do. So
0: I use um, a combination of new beads and stuff, which I usually get at a bead show, which aren't going on now. Oh, and good. then the vintage stuff I get at flea markets. I do a lot of hunting. Um, there's oh. it's a lot of fun because my friend Jeannie and I travel together and do shows together and stuff. We, you know, get together and go. There's here in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of uh, flea markets and there's one just over the border in Ohio that we can't go to right now because of COVID, but
1: you're yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. So you had something important there about how you took a course to get ahead, which, you Mm -hmm. know, in our world is a thing now. I don't think I knew about that kind of stuff 10 years ago. Even, I mean, there were some in-person sewing classes and whatnot, but nowadays everything's online too. You can find those online that are in order for you. You can find free stuff on YouTube and piece Mm -hmm. it together. But I just want everyone here listening to this to hear that because if there's something you want, that course can help you get to the, to the finish line faster. And with a mentor who knows what they're doing, like no wasted time. So right. And the
0: information is out there. I mean, that's the thing, even like as a handmade seller, I'm educating myself constantly because, because it's my business. This is my livelihood. This is what I do now. But as a course creator on the other side, sometimes I would grapple with like, Oh, you know, people could find this information. It's out there. Like who am I to charge? But when it comes down to it, what you're paying for is my ability to vet the information and to determine what is valid and what is not and combine it all into one and present you with the information, explain what it means and tell you why it matters. So. Like, and that's really what it's all about. Like you can hunt and peck around online and you can find out, like, I'm sure with you, Emily, you could like probably look on YouTube or Google blog articles on how to be a VA. But do you really know? Like, just because people say something, it doesn't mean it's true. Just because there's a blog article out there, doesn't mean the person who wrote it knows what they're talking about. Yes. <laughs> and that is the key is like, you need to trust the person who's educating you and trust that they could go out and find and collect the best information and present it to you and support you and learning and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, very important.
1: Now you've made this super successful business. Tell me those figures again, that you just said earlier.
0: Like when I was launching my course, I was trying to go through and, you know, you like yeah, again, like who am I to be telling you this? I have to like look and really quantify the reasons like who I am to tell you this. and I look back at my numbers and yeah, I because when I started selling I didn't have I didn't take credit cards. I wrote down on a piece of paper what I sold. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> I know like when I look back at my numbers though, when I started using Square and through my website and Etsy, yeah, since 2010 I've sold over half a million dollars in handmade jewelry, which is a lot. It's a lot of money. lot <laughs> of. Too. good yeah, job! It's really? a heck of a lot of work. It is a heck of a lot of work. I pump out a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, so what do you, what has made you so successful? What have been some of those keys to getting your jewelry found and bought and marketed all of that?
0: Here's the thing. And this is what I teach in my, in my course. So I'm not, I'm not plugging, but I'm backing it up because I want to, I want to give you an understanding for this. So in my course, I teach people really kind of marketing and getting their business online. And when I really dove into like, why do I sell so much? Why does this work? It's some of it is kind of being in the right place at the right time. I found what my niche was. I found that I can't give my stuff away at a traditional like school craft show. I can't like people don't understand this. They don't know why I do that. They don't want it. But at like the country living fair or a vintage market, I've got people waiting in line for a half an hour to buy from me because I found the right people. I'm in front of the right people. And that's what makes the difference. And then once you have found the right people, it's really about your personality. Like people are buying from me because they know exactly who I am. They know exactly what to expect from me. They know like, this is me. <laughs> they know that I'm going to show up with the messy workroom behind me. They know that I'm not putting on any airs. They trust me because I've been reliable. I've shown up on my social channels regularly. And with authenticity, I've, Served them well by mailing them their products on time and following up with them to make sure they like it and fixing any problems that come up. They know where to find me at shows. And if I say I'm going to be there, I'm there. I take time to listen to people's stories. I'm one of those people that, like, people will come up to me and just tell me lots of awkward things, usually yeah. medically related. And I don't know why. Like, I know about lots of like oils and cuts, and I don't know why, but I listen to that, you know. <laughs> I why don't this, always have feedback to offer, but why does this keep coming up in all my interviews, like the foot problems and like medical conditions? <laughs> yeah, I get people that tell me all kinds of stuff or, you know, people want to be heard is really the long and short of it. And that's across the board. People just want to feel heard. And I think that I'm good at, at hearing people and letting them feel heard. And that makes a difference. I make a quality product and I know that I do because I've been working on it, and refining it over the years. But what keeps people coming back to me is that they know exactly what to expect from me. Like there's no surprises. There's no shocks. There's no, what the heck is she doing? Like they know exactly what to expect from me. And that really is the secret is to establish yourself as the authority in whatever it is you do. And you can't waver from that. Like you can't fall off from that. You can't be like, Oh, whoops, I messed up. You know, I'm I'm going to ghost you for a week or I'm going to make something totally yeah. different, or I'm going to start using crappy materials or I'm, you know, you can't like, you have to be consistent and stay steady in that.
1: I bought something off of Etsy that fell apart right away. Like the day I wore it and it's, that is no good for a long-term growth of a business when it's not a quality product. And the same goes with digital products. Right. And, and like in-person products or physical products. It's like marketing 101 is that no like trust factor, Mm -hmm. uh, getting out there, being consistent uh, in your social media, having, you guys have heard this, some of you might, it might be new to my students, it's not new to, but getting the maker in front of the camera getting their face seen, getting their voice heard. All of that is really important to building that rapport and that trust. So somebody yeah. does want to buy from you. And when it comes Christmas time, they're thinking about handmade gifts and shopping, and buying locally. They're going to think of you and you have to, you have to put in a lot of work. I don't think people realize how much work that is. You don't just like make yeah. it sells. We're not at that level, right now. And I'm not like I myself
0: am notably bad at that, at like putting my own face out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've been doing it in person for year years. So yeah. I mean the world is a little different now, but you you you've been doing that. Yeah, I think that for
0: a lot of handmade sellers, I mean things that you, you we had talked before and you'd said maybe giving some suggestions for things that VAs could do to support yeah. handmade sellers. And like I can tell you as a handmade seller, I know exactly what I want and I don't have any idea how to tell you what it is. <laughs> like I know what it is because I make things and I see things in like processes, but to actually put that down on paper or digitally or whatever, and like convey that to somebody else is extremely difficult because there's so much context behind it. And I don't know how to, how to convey that context. If you could come to me with a, like Emily, I think you put together like a voice, a client voice spreadsheet or questionnaire that was mm-hmm. extremely helpful because it makes you think of things that like, I don't really, I mean, I find that I do have these sayings that I use frequently or these emojis that I use frequently or things that it's like, oh, I would never say that. <laughs> like, it just kind of helps you figure that out. But, um, you know, things that would be very helpful to a handmade seller are like that encouragement of like, hey, you have to at least like get pictures of your hands out there making stuff. Like if you don't want to put your face out, fine, but you have to get some part of your body in this picture so that people realize it is an actual human creating it. Because sometimes people don't realize that. Especially if you make something really beautiful, or if you take really good pictures, and it actually looks really pro. Sometimes people don't realize like, oh, that is actually handmade, like you did actually do that. So you have to really humanize it. And the other like the other thing that would be really, that is helpful is having a plan for not just putting stuff out on social media, which is very important, especially right now, because there's a lot of support for handmade sellers on social media, but trying to figure out how to capitalize and grow on that, how to realize, how to figure out how to like strategically use hashtags to get re-shared by like American Express because they have small business Saturday or by, you know, Instagram has like the small business, um, sticker that that is specifically for shopping small and they will periodically do features in their um you call it the discovery area do they still call it that they'll periodically feature in the discovery area shop small and if you use their sticker on their stories they will feature that in their shop small area so oh, okay. like yeah i don't know how often they do that i don't know what the formula is for that but they do
1: have a specific shop small sticker that you tag your business in it such a good tip. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And any any behind the scenes person here, any freelancer VA, you bring that to your client, you're gonna look super smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can credit, you can credit Lucy. I can <laughs> never that how going back to this creative and how you work with them, it can be very hard because they have a lot of ideas. Like you said, can't always communicate it. What's the best mm-hmm. way to get on the same page with somebody like that?
0: the best way I think to get on the same page is to have a flexible outline, like say, like, sometimes it's nice to say like, you know what? A, B, C and D work. I need you to choose two of those. And this is where we're going to go with it. So like you can do this, 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 and this, and then they make a choice. And now that doesn't work for everybody. But for me, I'm, I'm, maybe a little bit different because I have like a business mind and I have a creative mind, but yeah. a lot of creative minds do not have that business mind, which is kind of what I teach in my course. Cause they don't have that. But what a lot of them like is like, if you say, tell me what you want me to do, they have no idea. But if you say I can do X, Y, Z choose that's a lot easier. <laughs> so be it like coming with a set, even if it's a very generic set of like, you know, here's what we can do. I found that it's really like people are having a lot of success. If they post on Pinterest three times a day, five days a week, I can do that for you. Post on Instagram twice a day, five days a week. I can do that. But like, like those specific things that are kind of general in what they are, but specific in that they're measurable. Like that's much easier to work with. Cause then it's like, Oh, okay.
1: that's really good advice because it can be very overwhelming with all of the things you could help them with. And it's generally good to just narrow it down, keep it simple. I teach my virtual assistants to do that when they start with the client anyway, to kind of learn if they're going to work well together. But I also have a resource in the crash course in my digital media crash course. We call it the loose client path. <laughs> you can come in there and like pick and choose the things that might not be done yet that you might need to do. Like maybe you do need to do build an affiliate landing page based on some of your top tools, like some things, you know, somebody might need to do when they're trying to monetize their business. So little things like that are really helpful. But I find most of my creatives have a hard time consistently coming up with the content and Mm -hmm. doing the emails. The weekly emails is a really hard concept for them to grasp. And I'm not, everybody has to do the same thing. I have clients who do a monthly or a bi-weekly email, but I I usually find myself with these clients coming in and explaining, like, you know, showing up consistently. And then like you said, picking and choosing what we need to do. Pinterest is amazing. It does Mm -hmm. so well. I prefer Pinterest, you know, thousand times over for a creative client than a business coach client. (laughs) The Business articles in Pinterest. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do that. I want to do the fun stuff. I want to do the pretty pictures. I want to do this. It's so much easier to help a client get moving faster. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I like that. I really like showing up for Pinterest for them, but you're you're doing such a a service for them because it frees up time. So they can be doing the crafting, making and other, other marketing things that require their face and their knowledge.
0: Because the making, like, it's not, it's the making, but it's also like, It's so time intensive and those are things that you usually can't source out. Like you have to buy the stuff, you have to make the stuff, you have to photograph the stuff, you have to list the stuff. Then when you sell the stuff, you got to pack the stuff, wrap the stuff and ship the stuff. So it's a lot of like, there's not a lot of extra time there because I would say the vast majority of handmade sellers are working like real jobs too. So this is all happening outside of the nine to five.
1: Yeah so we can help by helping with the listing and the SEO and the resizing of photos and the watermarking the photos and helping with that online inventory I've had a couple of our students help build the Etsy shops from scratch and do the graphics for that because it's very like well not I'm going off on a thing here but Etsy it's very much about the keywords you use right it's, it's like how it. you name your file images it's how you write your descriptions and a lot of creatives don't want to do that work, it can be very tedious, but it's so important. So what can they yeah. do or an assistant do when they don't know the industry as well? I struggled with this doing the furniture paint world. Like I had a lot to learn when it came to like techniques and the right words to yeah. use. How do you get that out of your client?
0: That is really hard. Well, first of all, I have to stop and say that anything Etsy related, Lauren Kilgore is your girl to go to. She has handmade sellers university. She is a momentum member. She is fantastic. Yeah. She has uh, her, her courses, I think Etsy one Oh one and Etsy two Oh one. She has like specific Etsy courses, but she herself is a wreath maker and she has beautiful wreaths. So like if anybody needs any resources or help with Etsy, Lauren is your girl because she teaches that specifically. Um, that being said, like I've been on Etsy forever, so I can speak to it, but she is like a really good teacher of it. But you're right on Etsy in particular, all of those things are important because you are incompetent, not that you're not in competition on a website, but on Etsy, like you're in competition with so many other shops i mean there are millions of shops there is a website called erank and it's not e r a n k and okay. it's a website that will help you kind of figure out how to optimize your site it will give you a ranking of what percentage of shops like so i my belmaneli shop even though I'm not super active in it i am a top 1% etsy seller which means that i have sold more in my etsy shop than 99% of etsy shops now, I should qualify that by saying there's lots of people that open Etsy shops and never put anything in them. So that number might be a little bit skewed. But eRank is very helpful in. Suggesting keywords, suggesting long tail, like long tail, and short tail keywords, suggesting like edits to your listing. It will tell you if you have misspelled words, it will tell you if your titles are confusing, it will suggest tags and keywords. So I would recommend anybody who's looking to get into that, to use that website called e eRang. They have a lot of good information there and it's good keyword. It's specifically for Etsy, but okay. it's a great tool for searching keywords, like in general. I sell on Shopify and on Etsy and I like the keywords, the keywords are the keywords. Do you know what I mean? Like someone looking for my necklace, if they find it on Shopify, or they find it on Etsy, their keyword search remains the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No matter what. So yeah. that's a really good source. So if for, in order to get like general help with the Etsy shop, I would strongly recommend looking into the E rank in order to get the wording from the handmade seller. I would say maybe getting a list or like looking on their social media or maybe doing like a Zoom call where you get what they call things, which is really like, I don't know if it's that way across all industries or if it's more specific to creatives, but like we have these words that we call things and we think other people know what they are and we don't. (laughs) Like That's not always the case. And then you have to like like I I learn now like there are things that I call something one thing, but the rest of the world calls it something else. So of course I have to in front of the rest of the world call it that something else because that's what people are going to search.
1: You do live in Pittsburgh. This is why it is good to have a rookie, somebody who's complete like virgin to this industry, because they can put it in their layman's terms, and that right. might actually be the thing people are searching or right. like. It depends on who your audience is. If your audience is very aware of the product they're buying and what it's called, they are gonna use a different terminology. But right. I actually love to use Voxer to communicate with clients really quickly. I get really, um, it can be hard when you're shuffling, like the pictures are over here in Dropbox and the descriptions are all over the place. And sometimes a quick Voxer, like, how would you describe this? What is this? But also making sure the client Q sees it. Ultimately it's their business. I want them the final eyeball on it and make sure I said it right. I've messed up things before. You know, a paint color sounded one way and it wasn't actually gray. It was a white, you know, and I'm calling it a gray color, you know, getting that final look. I think is really going to set yourself up while you're learning the business.
0: Right. And it's actually really good. Like, you know, if you want to double down on on multitasking, it would really be good content. Um, What I used to do and what I still do is like, I would post a picture on my social media and be like, if you wanted to find this, what would you call it? And people will comment. And sometimes they say things, I'm like, where'd you come up with that? For me, sometimes it's a little odd because my people know me, so they would like give me some name that they know. I would title it, and it's like, well, no, don't tell me what you think I'd call it. Tell me what you would search if you would find it. But that's a good, like, that's some good extra content to be putting out there, and it's good for building engagement because people love to tell you their opinions on everything, and it gives you those words. It gives you that copy bank of words that like people might be searching for that you would never have dreamed someone would someone would use to describe your product
1: your own copy bank and you have something like that Mm -hmm. in a google doc okay sometimes we go to basics here just so people who are starting know what to do but i do the same i'll have it in a i'll have like hashtag banks i'll do copy banks all in a google doc too for and then my clients can add to it i can add to it anyone else from the team can add to it yeah so it's really good
0: there is a feature where you can sit and I guess you can do it on Instagram too. I don't, for some reason do it as much on there, but you can save something and I, you can create different folders. So like I save ads, I'm always, uh, you call it a swipe file and it it sounds like you're stealing, but it's like I swipe ads. I swipe posts. I swipe, like if I like a picture, I'll swipe, you know, the design, like the style of the picture. So that feature is really nice because when you save something either on Facebook or on Instagram, you can go back later and kind of look at it all at once. And if you're feeling real fancy, you could probably like screenshot it and save it into Asana or something, you know, like create a file with them.
1: Yeah. I think mean, you'd ever know it's good for that too. But yeah, I have a ton of different like bookmarks on Facebook and tabs yeah, one's like podcasts and <laughs> like insight. One is... People complaining, you know, like stuff that will give me content. Yeah, so. I know, I know. Every
0: now and again, we're probably in some of similar groups too. Yeah, like when the train really goes off the rails, you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Never say that, and you say all those things. <laughs>
1: yeah, I remind myself, and then to say going back to do it is important. Hey, let me just interrupt for a second and invite you to the How to Work on the Line Masterclass. I am teaching the five areas online business owners need to hire out right now. This is a free training. Just pick your day and time and attend and watch it when you get a chance. It's about an hour long. We're going to cover online business industry lingo, buzzwords, and the behind the scenes job positions you could be doing. We're also covering what you need to know to get hired online and stand out above the competition. Head over to emilyreaganpr.com. Link is in the show notes to sign up right now and get your learning on. And you're going to gain clarity and have your eyes open to the remote work possibilities. I'll see you there. Once again, emilyreaganpr.com slash masterclass. All right, back to the show. What have you been selling your jewelry on? What platforms have you been using? I use Shopify as my main
0: selling platform now. Um, I do maintain and will always maintain my Etsy shop. Use it now more, I, I call it as a marketing tool. I have such a client base now that I know as soon as I list things like this, they'll sell. So for me, it's not worth putting that on Etsy because the fees are so much higher comparatively. The fees for Etsy aren't high, but compared to, I know I'll list this on my site that I already pay for and it'll sell right away. I use Etsy for my products that I can remake. So I have like little earrings, a line of quote bracelets and things that goes on Etsy. And then in each listing in my Etsy shop, I have a link to my landing page for my email signup. In my photo carousel, my second photo is always a graphic instructing people to look in the product description because anybody who you're who has any experience with e-commerce knows that nobody reads the description. Nobody reads it. (laughs) So you have to tell them to read it as with everything. You have to tell people exactly what to do. You have to direct them to read it. And then while you cannot hyperlink in an Etsy description, you can say copy and paste this link into your browser. You are allowed to link to a landing page. Like I can't link to bellmanili.com because they consider that fee avoidance, even if it's going to my email signup, but email service provider, I have, you can create a landing page for your signup form and you can just post it in there. Um, So that's what I do. That's what I use Etsy for mainly now because I want all of my sales coming over to my website. Number one, because it's less expensive for me. Number two, because it is more branded. ThelmaNaili.com is me and it's 100% me. Etsy is Etsy and I just run a space there. So I'm doing like all of
1: my efforts go into my Shopify website. I love that. That is really good business sense for you to do, and it's really good to diversify anyway and not count on one platform for all of your sales. So, what right. you're doing to explain it in layman's terms for everyone else is using Etsy as a way for people to find you, fall in love with you, and then we all know people on Etsy are always wanting custom everything, right? Mm-hmm. So like, they do, do. I don't offer. Cu- I actually stopped offering custom because I hate doing, <laughs> hate doing custom
0: work. But yes. Etsy is a great place. If you are selling custom work, Etsy is a great place to be for that.
1: But then you can get their email, yeah. give them coupons and direct them to your own site. And building that email list is what you're really trying to do, because that's where you mm-hmm. get your repeat customers and you don't depend on Etsy or somebody taking the a, extra effort to heart you, heart you, follow you. Like it just takes extra work. People go to Etsy to, sh- to search So this is really smart. Every single creative out there, if you're listening, you need to have your own website. I know this is 2020. I still know people who don't do it. Or if they're just getting started or they think they can just do Facebook or just do Etsy, like work toward this goal of this setup that Lucy's talking about.
0: You at least need to have your own domain name. Like you always have to have your own domain. For years, bellmanneely.com went to Etsy because you can point it wherever you want. At the very least, you have to have your own domain name and please, 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 I'm going to put this out because I struggle with this in my group with my students. Your name has to be the same everywhere. You can't be like Jane's Sewing here and Jane's Studio here and Jane's Knitting here. Like it has to be the same name everywhere. And I run into this a lot with my students really? that they'll have like, oh, all the time, all the time. And it's like, you have no, bro- if you don't have a name, I had someone that just emailed me and it took me a long time to sort through. I'm like, you have two businesses in eight names. <laughs> So she said, is there brand confusion? I was like, yeah, there's brand confusion. You have two businesses and eight names and you're, you're not, the things that you're making aren't that different. So like, if you want to build a brand, you have to pick a name, stick to it and be that name everywhere. (laughs) And if the name's taken, you got to pick a different one.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. What do you think about cheesy names? Do you have any opinions on that? 86, the cheese, no cheesy names. (laughs) Unless that is
0: so your brand, unless that is like way, like no like craft with a K, no school with an SK, like, unless for some reason that is just like who you are. Yeah. No, reason because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if that is like, if that's who you are and that's your brand, that's fine. But if you're building a business and you're building a brand, like, do you want someone to take you seriously? Or do you want them to think that you're selling stuff? Like, a, like, like my, like a kid would make stuff and sell it. Like, Like you're, you're a real business. So you, if you don't take yourself seriously, like you can't expect other people to take you seriously. And this may sound a little bougie and I don't mean it to be, and it's my personal opinion. So take it for what it's worth. Just because I say it doesn't mean like, like I said, just because it's on the internet, it doesn't mean it's true. You're not going to go in better homes and gardens and find like Christie's craft room all with K's. Like you're just not, that doesn't happen. For a reason, and it's not because the work isn't good. It's because that's not professional. Just so, like, I'm
1: going to send my kid to a daycare that's Kinder Care with K's, right? Or, right. You know, I mean, there's all different. There's hor- what, daycare's always have the worst names and, and misspellings. Like, tr- I do,
0: tr- but like that's like on. I mean, it's that's a little bit more on brand because it's dealing with kids, but it's not like. Like you wouldn't go to like Kinder Care university with two Ks because that's not like, what are you learning there? Yeah. I think it's that. all perception, which is, and I know it sounds so snotty and I don't mean it to be, but the long and short of it is that's the way of the world. If you want to be viewed as a professional, you have to show up as a professional.
1: This is good advice because a lot of times we are the business buddy and the mentor and the therapist to our clients and mm-hmm. through some of that or encouraging them to clean up their branding be smarter be more professional like this is very relevant and you would not believe think you're getting hired to do I don't know posting new listings and whatnot edit photos and next thing you know like you're giving advice and like you're helping mm-hmm. the owner like build a brand and reach more people and little things like this will come up and you mm-hmm. know if your spidey sense is off like something's quite right with how we're saying this or what this website looks like or what even what their name is like you know it might not be somebody you want to align with long-term. And it <laughs> doesn't mean that your brand can't be fun. I mean, you and I, Emily, we have very similar
0: aesthetics. Like our colors are very similar. Like it doesn't mean you can't be fun and funky, but yeah. like you can be fun and professional. So, so I think that's very important. I think having your website is important. I think being professional in your naming is important. It's just like you're establishing who you are and what you stand for. You establish the level of quality that you're going to put out there.
1: So how did you find yourself in this position, giving advice to other handmakers? Like what was the evolution with that? Like
0: I have a successful handmade business. Yeah, you do. So when you find someone and, and I don't, you know, it's so awkward to say that, but it's the truth and people see that and they ask, you know, they would ask me, well, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And you know, you, over the years, over 10 plus years, you learn little things, you learn what to do, you learn what not to do. You learn what shows to go to and what not to go to. I pay attention to a lot of different things. I pay attention to other people's businesses. I pay attention to pe- what people say, what people don't say, reactions. Like, and in all of that, You know, I take that in and I pull little bits here and there. So how I got to this place is I think people noticed the success. They noticed me selling. They noticed me doing these big shows. They noticed the sales, you know, I'll have people that will say like, Oh, I looked on your website and I watched things just ding, 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 go, go, go. Like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, it takes a long time unless you have some kind of like, it would be very hard for it to happen right out of the gate. Like I can't think of any instance, unless you were a celebrity or had some kind of major street cred, like that you could come right out of the gate with huge success. It's a long game and you have to build it up. Oh,
1: so, any, so
0: I had people that were coming to me that were asking for help with things like building their Facebook page, building their Instagram material, marketing, email, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I do know all those things. So, Hey, I should, I could probably teach those things because I don't have the time. I think the real tipping point, my friend came to me and asked me if I would be her business coach. And I said, no, I don't have time to <laughs> like, I will gladly help you, but no, I'm not going to be your business coach. And i had had this idea kind of rolling around in my head for a while. And it's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make this course and I'm going to teach people like how to like take what you have at art and craft fairs and move it online. Awesome. Um, because there's something so unique about the whole like in-person show experience, yeah. because you are building that relationship with people and you don't even realize it, but like, When people show up and they see you sitting there and anybody who's ever sold at a show has at least once been asked, did you make all this? And it's like, you know, there's always an opening for a conversation. And once people know that you've created something and once they know that there's like that little piece of you in there, if they connect with you, they connect with your work. And that's how sales happen. So what I teach people to do is how to take that and do it online because it's not exactly the same process. It's very difficult. Because you're not face-to-face. You don't have that face-to-face interaction. And that is really how, like when I put the program together, that was really how I got success with that out of the gate because I was able to convey that to my students and they were able to start to see success with that. So I started it in 2019. I first launched last January. And of course, I had no idea that COVID would happen and every art fair and craft show and vintage market across the country would be canceled. Interestingly, like a, a part of my, especially for my email marketing part was building your list of shows because these are the people that are like white hot leads. I mean, people that buy from you at a show, like there's no one better to be on your email list because they have already given you money. They have seen your face. They have like taken your stuff home. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And so many handmade sellers are, are missing out on that opportunity to get those people on their
1: list. Yes. Oh, um, you know, how many times did I grab a business card and then lose it and right. then forget who that was? Right. Right.
0: And that, like a big part of that, that module in my course was teaching people. Yeah. You have to ask like every person who comes into your booth, every person that makes a purchase, invite them to join your email list. And it's not hard. Just, Would you like to be on my email list? It's not like you're not asking them to marry you. You're just asking them to write down their name and their email. And they will, if they've bought from you, they will. And that's how I built this list that has literally sustained my business for the last year because these are the people that bought from me at a show and they know who I am and I've kept in regular contact with them. So they haven't forgotten me and my business. But again, like (laughs) I had to kind of rejig my messaging because that wasn't possible. Like after April, it became clear that that wasn't gonna be possible this year. And at this point... Like I'm not a scientist, so take it from my, for what it's worth. I don't see shows coming back until next fall. Applications are up now. So handmade sellers are going to be applying for shows and things like that. They're going to get canceled. Yeah. Um, at like major art fields when festivals are starting to get canceled now, I'm seeing through March and April. So if you have clients that are handmade sellers and they are slacking on <laughs> selling online, like you need to get them online because they're not going anywhere for, for at least another five months.
1: Oh my gosh. That's really good uh, advice right there. So I was curious how you did the evolution. Like some people I know, you know, they start working one-on-one or do some live group coaching, but you went all straight in with a course so people could watch it at their own, yeah. their own time. Right. And so one of the reasons I brought you in is you did my bonus for the crash courses around. And I think it goes live today, which is why I was thrilled to have you this week. You shared part of your course with my students to help them do the back end of Shopify for handmade sellers. What's your big course called?
0: My big course is called Get Online, Grow Online. And it is literally getting your business
1: online and
0: growing it online.
1: <laughs> These creatives are starting not knowing what we all know here in this Facebook group. You guys all have an edge, you're aware of what's happening, you see it, and then there's a lot of work to be had helping these sellers get online too. So, um, well, kudos to you for jumping on that. And plus you, you've you been around. I love when people do have actually done the work and have had the success and then teach the course. And then you're also still doing it. You're still in your business. Like we have various models, like we're still doing the work. And I just have like mad respect for that. Do you ever have people go through your course who do they usually have teams already or are they just starting out? teams yeah do they have people working for them they by themselves they're no
0: they're by themselves that hasn't even occurred to a lot of people and I've made this suggestion for a few where I see a lot of people struggling is with listing one of my students was I don't know why she decided she needed to list everything she's ever made all at once before she ever before she opened her website and I was like literally nobody knows that you have the site so like it really doesn't matter you can get your site out there you need to add stuff all the time like you can't just put it out there and be like here's my stuff you have to keep adding stuff all the time not helping yourself by like jamming it full and then not doing anything because that's not helpful
1: like a mindset issue like trying to get things perfect and kind of delay a little bit but I can see why people are, can be like that with their websites. I see that all the time. Like it needs to be like done before. Yeah.
0: And I get, I get that. I understand that, but you have to be like realistic. And I was like, listen, nobody in the world knows that you have this website. Like you're not going to open it up and get flooded with people. It's not a show where there's people standing outside the door. Nobody. Yeah. Knows. And that's like the marketing part. And that's where I see a lot of people. They're used to this model of, I go and I set up at a show and I've got a line of 500 people at the door waiting to come in and shop. And then they come in and buy your stuff and that's it. And that's not how it works online. And then they get upset. I put all this work into my website and nobody came. And that's yeah. like, There's this other piece called marketing
1: that you have to do. <laughs> I see that all the time. Oh my God. It's a real no. thing. It's a real syndrome. It
0: is. It is. And aspect I think really, especially with people who are used to doing in-person events, because that is how it works in an event. I know like I do country living magazine has a, has a big fair in a few places every year. And I, they didn't have it this year, but I do that show. And I know come 10 o'clock on Friday morning at country living, I'm going to be swamped and I'm going to sell like at least half of what's in my booth. And my booth is packed full. And I understand if I put all that stuff online, the same thing does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people don't, they, they miss that. It's like, well, I did all this work. I put all these pictures up. I did all this stuff. Nothing happened. And it's like, well, cause you, you know, you went and built an Island and sat on your Island with your stuff. You need to, you need to bring people in. It's different yeah. than on a
1: show. So Carrie wants to know, is there anywhere else that you would recommend for our clients that they sell their physical products besides Etsy? I mean, you said Shopify. Do you have any other suggestions? I mean, Shopify is
0: just a platform. There's like Shopify and Wix and Squarespace and things like that. Those are all your own standalone website. If they don't want to add their own website, they're going to have a hard time building their brand because your website, like that's your brand. There are some people that sell on Amazon Handmade. It's not my favorite. If you read the fine print on Amazon Handmade, you'll see that you are actually giving them design rights to your design. So once you put it on there, if you get something that's selling like crazy, they have every right to copy it and sell it as their own. Um, I'm not saying they will, but they could.
1: Whoa, and Etsy doesn't do that. That's
0: big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and nobody reads the fine. (laughs) Like I said, I pay attention to details and that was in the fine print. From, yeah, it is. They can copy it now. I don't know if they've ever actually done it, but they reserve the right to.
1: Yeah, that's still scary, and that still communicates a lot. What we talked about already is why you own your own site, right? right. You can control it. No one's going to shut you down. You can post yeah. what you want. And Shopify, right. just to clarify to everybody, you can have like your site built on Shopify. You could have a Shopify plugin to like help you sell things. Like there are different e-commerce tools out there. Shopify is not the only one. It is definitely a favorite. I feel like it's
0: pretty user-friendly, right? It is. I mean, Shopify is, so like the, the main difference is Etsy is a marketplace. Etsy, Amazon, eBay, it's a marketplace. It's like a mall. You are just kind of renting a small space there. So they really control everything. Everything looks the same. The shops look the same. A Shopify site, a Wix site, a Squarespace site, those are like building a brick and mortar store. I should say it is, you're still using someone else's platform. So you can't like, there are a few things that you could do that would get you booted off of there. And I can't imagine anybody doing those things. They have a very specific list, but like human trafficking, drugs, guns, like like there's a very specific list of super illegal things that not only will get you kicked off of there, but will probably put you in jail. But it's not like the only way that you 100% own it outright is if you do a raw build of your own website even then you're not allowed to do that illegal stuff but like (laughs) shopify is giving you this platform that allows you to really be in control of your content and be in control of your listings it is very user-friendly Their customer service is really the, for me, the main differentiator between all those other platforms because they have twenty four seven chat and phone support if you're in the U S. and like they will get into your shop and help you and and help you figure it out, which to me was really key because I've spent many 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 hours on chat with with Shopify figuring things out.
1: I know what that's like. That (laughs) is how I built my business. Yeah. Oh, really. Just figuring stuff out, and you don't always have like the best tools. I That's one reason I like Kajabi. We will always be yeah. in the chat. Me. I yeah. mean, I don't always get the answers I want. Right. <laughs> For the most part, they've been so supportive and been really nice. But that is really good to know when you're. But you know that sometimes, yeah, it's the
0: same as with Kajabi. You know, sometimes you just got someone who didn't know, so you just go off and find some, ask the same question to someone else. But that's the big difference. Like Wix does not have dedicated chat support. I don't know if Squarespace does or not, but like Shopify does. And they, it interacts really beautifully with Facebook and with Instagram. So like people who are coming to you saying, I want to have a Facebook shop or I want to have an Instagram shop. It is a pain in the butt to set it up. You are much better to just set them up on Shopify and connect it that way because people have a lot of trouble with Facebook and Instagram shops, just trying to do it from the Facebook field.
1: I was just going to ask you about that and bring that up, what you thought about the social shopping, because it's changed yeah. from last year.
0: Social shopping is a thing, and it's something that you need to be a part of if you're selling products. I will say, and, and just kind of with everything, even like with what you do, with, with, with the, people have a skill set and you need to use, you need to use, like you need to go with the people that have the skill set that you don't have. Shopify is a dedicated e-commerce site. If I want to have an e-commerce site, Shopify is the place to go. Facebook is a social media site. They saw a need for people to have places to sell products and they put something up. Facebook is not an e-commerce site. So they don't do it well. And that's the difference. Like just because somebody does something doesn't mean they do it well. Facebook is good at social media and they are not so good at e-commerce. It's something that's there, but it's just not a great Option. You could go into Facebook, you can create a commerce manager account, you can upload your products into a catalog. It is a giant pain in the butt. It is so <laughs> It never works right, it never connects right. It's just a mess. Then you end up with like all these different catalogs. There's stuff for sale that you don't even have. Like it's a you mess.
1: Know, I'll delete it and it won't come back. <laughs> yeah. That's happened. it's a mess.
0: Yeah. There are integrations because of course, like they rushed to put this, I think it was like what may, like they kind of rushed to put this out there for people, which was great. Like, it's nice to give people an option to, to sell from, but like their fees are high and it's just kind of a mess. Shopify integrates with Facebook and Inst- Facebook and Instagram is the same. So when I say Facebook, I mean both. You can install it as a channel and it pulls your catalog over from Shopify and that's the easiest way to do it. So like when I, if I post a picture on Instagram, I can tag my product in Shopify and someone clicks straight through to my site. It's the best integration. It's the easiest integration. It just works really well. And again, and I, my students struggle with this and I tell them, and I don't think they always believe me just because there's an integration does not mean it works well. Like just because two things are hooked up doesn't mean they're hooked up well. And a good example of this is I have students with um, Weebly Square websites. Uh So Square is, Uh, payment processor. That's what they do. They do payment processing and they do it well. So when you're at a show and you use your payment processor, use your square reader, like that's what they do. They initially had like, you could set up this, a square website. And it was kind of a crappy website, but (laughs) it gave you a place to sell online. Well, then they bought Weebly in 2018 and Weebly, they, they decided to use Weebly as their, as their, e-commerce platform, except Weebly isn't an e-commerce platform. Weebly is a blog website that added an e-commerce feature. So again, like Weebly did blogs well. They don't do e-commerce all that well. It's better than it used to be. But in like the Square Weebly Facebook integration is a mess. It never works right. (laughs) It works sometimes, but like I have um, a couple students that like, I know they think I'm making it up and I'm like, it just doesn't work well. (laughs)
1: <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is such good advice. A lot of times I've started with clients and they're like patchworking things. And yeah. when it came to my own business and I give this advice all the time inside the DCA group right now, just go straight to the best one and build right. it. Because you're going to have to fix it later. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to be on the free thing and the cheap thing. And then it's going right. to be a big pita when you got to move it and do yeah. it the right way. And I love, I love that you're like, talk the same language.
0: You get what you pay for. And if you think you're setting up a free website, you're setting up a crappy website. And that's the bottom line. And by the time you pay to add on all the features that you need to add on in order to make it work, you're now paying more than the 29 bucks a month you'd pay at Shopify. When you get to the same features, they're all about the same price. Most affordable way to own your own website is so domain name and website are two different things. You can have a domain. A domain name is just like, like a name. A website is a place. I use GoDaddy. I don't know who you use, but that's who I like to use. It's easy. They've been around, again, like, going, like go, that's what they do. They do domain names yeah. and you can point it to anywhere. So like if you're building a Shopify site or a Wix site or Squarespace, any of those platforms will offer you the opportunity to purchase your domain name through them. And I don't recommend doing that because if you ever decide you want to move, you can switch that name. It is difficult. If they make you wait, it's a pain in the butt. I buy domain names all the time. I get ideas or I see things. I buy domain names all the time. So I got a whole long list of them. And I just buy them and go, daddy, because I can point them to wherever I want.
1: Yeah. D went all in with a website and some work with that and I think she might have gone down a rabbit hole with that so I know she's struggling with it but for me I bought I did GoDaddy. I've had to fix that stuff for clients with who they host with and where to build and it was exactly as you described. I know some people complain about GoDaddy. For me it's been great. They have a chat. I have mm-hmm. never had an issue. If, if a website went down, they would always help me. But I do WordPress. I like my, my clients to be on WordPress, depending on who they are. But for the most part, because they're more content marketers and that right. feature, the SEO is so good there. And you have a lot of possibilities. But it's not right for everybody just starting out. It's not. So if you do have a client that is the maker, going straight to Shopify might be the option. But that's not the best solution for somebody who's not who's selling digital products. You
0: know, no, so. no, there's lots of, there's lots of options for that. There's lots of good options for that. Cause you don't have to ship anything. So you don't have to have like a shipping plugin. Um, and I don't know if I finished answering this question though, asking. She did. If There was anywhere else I'd recommend besides Etsy selling. Yeah. I think if they're not going to ha- like, they need to have a dedicated e-commerce site or Etsy, ideally both. Other than that, like you don't want to go on, like uh, people sell on Amazon handmade. It's just not my thing. What about Facebook? marketplace no Facebook I was just gonna say like not eBay not that's a flea market like not eBay or not e- Facebook marketplace unless that's your business like people go on the Facebook marketplace to the yeah. word dicker dicker yeah ha- haggle um, <laughs> yeah, I, like, volume is what I really want. I mean <laughs> what are you like if you were going to Facebook marketplace and you saw this necklace for 56 dollars would you buy it? Is that what you're looking for there? Would you think like, oh, that's a high quality handmade piece? It's on Facebook Marketplace where people also sell used tires and baby strollers.
1: Yeah, and like <laughs> over used baby toys, I see that, and then I see I'm seeing a lot of weird new stuff that people yeah. are bringing in, like furniture. I see a lot of like furniture companies yeah, like dropping hey, stuff. stuff. I will say yeah. there is,
0: there is a caveat, I think for Facebook marketplace, I see a lot of people selling things like wreaths or holiday decor or things like that. Like those tend to do well simply because they're better for local pickup, oh. um, like, like seasonal and holiday decor. But I also will say like there's last year, was a big thing, and I don't know if it's a big thing this year. And cricket groups, they do, I call them dollar store crafts. That's what people call them. They did these little elves and they were putting kids' names on them. And they like people went on Facebook Marketplace to sell those and they were selling them like crazy, but they're $5. So is it really worth your effort to, to be, I, yeah, to be like doing something like that for, five, like not only to,
1: to only make $5, but like to get hassled about it. I may have told you this, but I don't know if my world really knows. I had an Etsy shop for a while. When I first started staying at home, I taught myself to sew because like you, I, I needed something to do and I needed something tangible and I was doing baby slings and then I realized I don't want to be liable for babies falling out and I started sewing hooded towels and I did really well with that. It was hard. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wanted like a custom version of it. It was hard and I I wasn't even scraping the marketing part of it. It was just to keep me kind of busy, but I felt like I learned so much and then this other opportunity opened up where I got to use my PR skills, but I, it was a labor of love. But when I looked at the the math, <laughs> how like materials and I mean, I was probably making like $2 an hour. Right. that
0: Oh God. Pricing is like the biggest thing. Yeah. If you want, if you want to take a note, I feel like I'm all over the place. If you want to take a note. Make sure your people are pricing their stuff for profit and not for cash flow. Because if, if so, I, there was someone in a group the other day selling gorgeous Native American style jewelry out of like turquoise and coral. And she had this necklace and it was $20. And I was like, like, I actually was like, you know, you put $20, like, I thought it was 200. And I'm like, you only put $20 on this. And she's like, yeah, I sell at craft shows. And I was like, get that out of here. Like she had to have spent more than $20 on the beads alone. Oh my God. Something that handmade sellers in particular really struggle with and simply don't understand is that making cash is not the same as making profit. Just because I give someone this necklace and they give me $20 does not mean I have earned $20. Like it's such an awful thing. And they think, even like it shows, they think, well, if I lower my price, more people will buy. But if you don't have anyone seeing your stuff, then lower your price doesn't matter.
1: No, and it starts to attract a different crowd, too.
0: Mm -hmm. It does. It does. But I'll have people that'll say, well, you know, I lowered my price on my website, you know, my stuff was, you know, $40 and I lowered it to 30 because nobody was buying. And it's like, okay, was anybody looking? Well, no. Okay, so now you have cheaper stuff that nobody's looking at. (laughs) Like the problem wasn't the pricing. The problem was the marketing. The problem was you weren't getting people to your website. If you're getting people to your website and they're adding it to the cart and they're not buying it, that might be a pricing problem. But if you're getting, if you're not getting people to your website, then why, how could the price possibly matter? Nobody has seen the price.
1: Yeah. But people just... They just want to immediately, I mean, we do it in our world as freelancers, immediately discount our services and devalue it. Oh my gosh, I was in a Facebook group that we're both part of and somebody was asking for a designer and I started to write a comment and I just deleted it and walked away. But somebody wanted an entire ebook of like hundreds of pages Design in Canva, which is not, you know, easy to duplicate designs and it's no InDesign. And some, and I know she had talked to a couple of my people (laughs) and didn't like the pricing. And then I saw one lady in a group say, I'll do it for $65. And I was like mortified. I'm like, you know, that's probably like 20 hours of work. Like you don't even know what, Hey, you don't even really know what you're getting into. Like you're hearing what you want to hear. But anyway, I, like I love that coaching on that. Cause I have to tell my people that too. You've got to up your rates. Like, you yeah, know, but that.
0: then you get a $65 product, you know, like she's going to get a $65 yeah. well, product. That
1: too. I, we both know she's not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell yeah you
0: it's, <laughs> setting expectations. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know setting expectations is important. You know, if you put it out there and, and someone decides it's, it's not worth it or they don't want to invest that. Well, that's fine. Like, yeah it's no skin off your back. It doesn't like if somebody else doesn't share your perception of that value, it doesn't mean it doesn't have that value. It means that it doesn't have that value to them. like it'll have that value to somebody else
1: exactly. that's really good. and that's how you walk away to the next client and the yeah. next the next
0: and client. it's not like it's not personal. It's
1: not like, oh, I don't like you as a person, and I don't think you're
0: worth that. it's this service to me is is not worth this amount of money right now. Into someone else, it's going to be worth that amount of money. So it's not like business is business. It's it has nothing like if take that personal stuff out of it. If you're, if your work is worth money, then you better charge that money because people aren't just going to come up and offer it to you. They're not going to be like, oh, this was worth a lot more. Let me give you more money. That's not how it works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only in my dreams. Yeah. Right. Thanks so much for having
0: us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I have a group too. If you go to bloomcraftgroup.com, it will take you to my Facebook group and you can join in. Thanks, Emily. Bye.
1: Bye. Well, that's a wrap. Lucy is just a gem. I love having her in my world. And guess what? She has a bonus training in my digital media VA crash course covering everything you need to know to help the sellers with Shopify. This is like the best bonus on the planet. So if you sign up to take the crash course, if you're one of my students listening, definitely, definitely dive in. I'm just so flattered that she offered to do this bonus for us. It is such a good compliment for those of us who are working with handmakers and we just need a little bit of help with Shopify. Shopify can be pretty daunting. If you haven't signed up for my How to Work Online Masterclass, it's absolutely free. And you're going to learn the five areas that online business owners like Lucy are hiring. And yes, we talk about e-commerce. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Sign up, pick your date, and watch it when you get a chance. You're going to learn how to make yourself marketable, what skills you need to know. And we talk about other things about starting your freelance business. So it's about an hour. It's really good. I actually teach in there things you need to know to get started. And then I do tell you about my signature program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. So I can't thank you enough for joining us here today. I encourage you to connect with Lucy. Sometimes she runs these social media posting challenges. So if you follow her, you can be a part of the next one, especially if you have clients in this world already, or you just want to learn, connect with her Instagram, Facebook, and all of the good stuff. All right, tune in next week. We're going to be talking to the OG VA who paid off $64,000 in debt without becoming a stripper by offering digital marketing services. More on that next week. I'll see you then. (laughs) Ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online? Head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become the unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Um, also, we were talk- there was something else I was going to talk piggyback off of that, and it's gone. It's gone. I need to like, <laughs> otherwise I forget stuff handmakers. So our handmade sellers, I always say handmakers. I don't know why. Social social plat okay, start over. My podcast (laughs) put this in the bloopers. Um